You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Thanks for joining us once again on Locked On Texas Tech with the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan, and we appreciate you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thanks again to those who are subscribing on YouTube and keep it coming anywhere you get your podcasts as well as we are headed now on the downhill slope, the other side of Hump day, Chris, as we begin to look ahead to North Carolina State in earnest and a matchup that's only been played, uh, what, four or five times, I think, prior to this one, not since the early 2000s when Mike Leach had a series over a couple of years with the Wolfpack. Some pretty entertaining games there and uh, curious to see if we're going to be in for maybe another tightly contested one and entertaining one Saturday night. Well, as a double-digit underdog, you would certainly uh, hope that, that it's a uh, you know a, a tightly contested game. But uh, I, I, it's just fascinating that these non-conference series, because you've got Oregon and Oregon State and and a bunch on your schedule in the, in the years to come. But you know the, the, these, I think this one was done back in '16 is when it was agreed to and signed, and it's you know go go to go to Raleigh in '22, they come to Lubbock in 2027. But it's just fascinating how different this game looks now than it maybe it looked back in in 16 when you agreed to it and certainly you know the return trip will be over 10 years uh from when that contract uh what was originally signed and agreed to on the home and home but uh Dave Doran he's been there he was there at the time uh on staff uh in Raleigh so he's been there for I guess this is ninth or tenth year uh, for him. So he's, which is a long time for a college coach to be anywhere in the power five in one spot. Uh, but uh, so he was, he was on the job whenever this thing was agreed to and signed, but it should be fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'm kind of struck a little bit by some similarities in the programs, not just in color scheme, but I think a similarly sized stadium uh, there in Raleigh to what you've got here in Lubbock. Similar number of, of bowl appearances all time, conference championships. I think your wins are off by about 30 or so all time. There's kind of some odd similarities between the two programs, but it seems like more often than not, I guess, for whatever differences there are between the two conferences, Chris, some of the approaches to football on both sides of the ball, I don't think are that far off. You can find wilder comparisons between you know, the Big Ten and the Big 12 or something along those lines. How do you see the football over the years kind of breaking down between the ACC and the Big 12 Conference? You're talking about just style of play? Yeah, Yeah, I I think uh, because, you know, Dave Dorn was asked about this this week on, hey, what do you think about playing like this kind of non-conference matchup? And he kind of answered it like usually we play regional teams from a recruiting standpoint. But he said Mm -hmm. it's good to play a spread team and teams that, you know, similar to what we see. And he, he, you know, he mentioned Florida State and Clemson and some teams like that when he when comparing to Texas Tech. I'm like, I'd love to be in the same sentence as Clemson. Uh that that's that's for darn sure. And I don't know if you're running the same style of offense they are, but I think he was trying to talk about the caliber of athlete or or you know what whatever. But uh um, I, you know, it, it's funny because I don't, I don't know if I spend a lot of time. A, the ACC and the Pac-12 are just a couple of those leagues that I don't. 
other than Clemson, uh, you know, I don't know if I spend a lot of time watching a lot of big time, you know, ACC football. You know, that's not like appointment television for me. Um, and unless USC's or there's some Oregon maybe in the Pac-12, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing and paying attention. So I don't know what Duke looks like. I don't know what Wake Forest looks like. I don't know what, you know, I mean, and, and in most cases, uh, I, I would know what Florida State looks like. And I certainly watch them you know, in the opening weekend and their, their win over LSU, but I, you know, Florida state's been down, but it, I think to your point, Casey, these are two leagues that are very similar. They're fairly competitive, fairly deep. I don't know if the big 12, I guess Oklahoma would be that team until they depart, but I don't know if you've had one team like Clemson that's just dominated the league over the last decade. It would clearly be Oklahoma in the big 12, but I don't know if the ACC is as deep as the big 12 is just, but I, I think it, the, the style of football is probably somewhat similar. I think the Big 12 has gotten a lot better on defense over the last several years as we've seen this mm. play out uh, in, in front of us. And, um, you know, and and I, I went to look just to see kind of what they'd had in the NFL draft over the last couple of years at NC State. I mean, their, their left tackle was the sixth pick in the draft, but they had no other players drafted from last year's team which is probably a bad thing because they're so old that they're all back uh this year so it would have been nice if some some guys would have declared but uh, i don't know if i answered your question right but those are i guess my thoughts no i think generally that that's a lot of what i'm feeling and i'm curious if some of what north carolina state has seen defensively elsewhere in the conference could help prepare them for some of what texas tech is going to bring offensively and uh alternatively I, I do wonder when you're talking about some of what you're going to see from the wolfpack offense if some of what exists in the big 12 uh, yeah. might help to benefit Red Raider defenders at least because you got a new coaching staff for the first time around so you can't really act like you know there are a whole lot of tendencies from league play with those guys but certainly the guys that have been on the field maybe the speed of the game uh, I don't know if you go to Wisconsin and it's a bad week to use that as an example but it's the first thing that comes to my mind are you surprised by the physicality if you go somewhere here or there are you surprised by the speed well hopefully between these two uh, for Texas Tech's sake there won't be any, any kind of surprises um, as far as those types of things are concerned. And, you know, really, when you talk about some of what you're going to see in the backfield coming up offensively for North Carolina State, uh, it's a little bit the exception to what at least I think I'm accustomed to seeing with an opposing quarterback because it is a guy that that wants to sling it and maybe not a guy that wants to make so much uh, happen on the move or kind of improvisationally whenever things break down in the pocket. Um, I don't know. I don't know necessarily how you coach, replace, teach, anything along the lines of those sorts experience. And this guy has got it in bunches. We're talking about Devin Leary, and here is Texas Tech defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder talking about Mr. DeLeary. He's an athletic quarterback, a live arm. Uh, you know, they do a nice job with personnel grouping, spreading you out, you know, bringing tight formations. You know, it's, it's kind of in vogue now with a lot of uh, teams. Um, He's a guy that extends the play, you know, just kind of what we just saw, uh, you know, because he's athletic and can run. Uh, so you got to have plans for all those kind of things. And the fact that he's played a lot of ball, you know, I, I think veteran quarterbacks who are talented like he is are probably the most difficult, you know, task for, for defensive staffs to have to plan against. You get a, a young guy, you can kind of confuse him. He's seen a lot of things. So we're just going to have to really play well fundamentally and uh, hopefully – you know, keep him in check. 
Yeah, you know, he he doesn't – this is – much like their football team, they just don't beat themselves. This is kind of Dave Doran's M.O., if you will. It's kind of bland if if you want to look at it that way, but it's it it, it wins and it, it works. Uh, they don't – they're not like super flashy really with anything they do on either side of the ball, but yet it's very methodical and they're just very sound everywhere. And the quarterback in Devin Leary, he's a prime example of this. I think he just makes plays. He doesn't throw it to you uh, very much at all. No. Like the five TDs and the one interception last year, and I'll let you speak to last year's stats, Casey. But Yeah, 35 um, to 5 is the TD to pick ratio, and this is just regular season action because they, they didn't play a bowl game. Yeah, uh, UCLA kind of squirmed their way out of that bowl game in, in San Diego. Yeah. But but he's – you know, Larry, if you go look at like some mock draft conversations for next year – You'll see Kentucky's guy. You'll see Florida's guy. You'll certainly see Alabama's guy as far as potential first-round picks or, or bona fide first-round picks, however we want to phrase that. And Devin Leary's name is right there. You know, I think, you know, BYU's guy. and But, I mean, Leary is thought to be an NFL guy or certainly going to get that opportunity. I don't know whether it's first-rounder or second-rounder or fifth-rounder. But, I mean, at some point, because he doesn't throw it to you and because he just wins and – He's got a strong arm and he's athletic. I mean, he's just six one, so he doesn't check all like he's not the super, right. you know, measurables type guy. It's six one, about two ten or so. Uh, but uh, he he's you know somebody's going to take a chance on him fairly high in the draft. I don't know exactly what that looks like depending on how this year goes. But yeah, he just a problem and and he won't beat himself, and that's what kind of makes you nervous, especially about playing him in front of a home crowd at nighttime on national TV. Man, no kidding. Uh, the guy that you know doesn't have all the talent or, or maybe all the uh, the measurables on on, on paper, uh, but doesn't beat himself or his team or, or put his team in a bad position uh, is still a, a very very valuable individual. And I just think I don't know why I'm thinking of a Kansas State quarterback right now, but that, that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, it's like smart football teams wind up with sometimes talented guys that also don't beat themselves. Uh, but if you're going to have a guy that Again, is maybe not checking every box as far as um, you know, athletic gifts or, or physical gifts. Uh, a guy that's not going to get in his own way and thirty-five to five uh, TDs to giveaways. Good grief, that's not getting in your own way is, is what you're asking for. And so you're really going to have to work to earn some of those big plays defensively, uh, as far as forcing him into some mistakes. One great way to do that uh, would be to to put some pressure on the guy and get into that backfield. I want to talk about coming up in just a moment. Uh, what we've seen so far from Coach DeRuiter's rush defense as well, because obviously taking a rushing game out of the equation uh, is a great way to get some pressure on a quarterback. And Chris, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm curious to your vantage, but I feel like we've seen Texas Tech, whenever they've designed some things to get in the backfield and maybe force the issue with the quarterback, I think there's been some success. You've collected some numbers sack-wise, but you've also had uh, some things that didn't quite result and sacks that are uh, disruptive. So I've been fairly pleased with that early on. It's a teeny sample. You've got one game, basically, as far as anything uh, comparable to the opponents you'll see coming up. But I've been pleased with that aspect of Tech's defense so far. Yeah, and, you know, NC State's uh, offensive line, other than that draft pick, their left tackle last year that was number six overall pick, I think, to the Carolina Panthers, all four of those other starters are back. They're going to be really just solid up front. Uh, shocker, we'll say that word a lot. But you, you, you got to win some of these matchups. And I don't yeah. know whether 
I don't know whether you mix it or whether you really heavy pressure or play a lot of coverage. Uh, I, I just don't, you know, because they've got two running backs that I think they're they're pretty good, um, and and then obviously Leary that can hurt you with his legs, very similar to what you know what you'll do, and that your quarterback can do the same. And you've got two more than capable running backs and 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 Taj and Saradric. So uh, that'll be interesting. But I, I, bottom line is you got to win up front or win some of that. If if you get if you can't might be a long night, you know, or, or you're going to have a hard time stopping them if you just can't win some of those matchups up front. But very similar to what we talked about last week versus Houston, Casey, and that was kind of one of those matchups where you looked at your offensive line versus their defensive line. I will say I, I wouldn't want to replay it and, and chance it, but, I mean, you, you needed to, to at least play that matchup with your O-line versus the D-line and, like, to a standstill. I felt like Houston's D line probably won that matchup overall, but yeah, but it it you were fortunate enough to to get a win, and that's all that matters. But uh, you know, I don't want to keep doing that because at some point, you know, you, your your boys in the <laughs> trenches are going to have to have to do their part, and we're talking D line here versus right. their really solid offensive line, and we can obviously have that same conversation on the other side too but uh yeah you're, i mean you're if, if we're seeing four sacks for an edge rusher every week then we're going to be facing what 12 first round picks next yeah. year i mean yeah you're going to be gonna... making a lot of guys a lot of money if that's the case that's right not gonna not gonna go well i mean you just uh, you just you're just playing roulette at that point and it's not that's just not winning football so you got to get that you know some of that fixed that, that's but exactly right you may survive it but not for long I think Cowan, on the flip side, uh, and I may be getting way ahead of myself here, but I think they only have NC State's only got one sack on the season. One. That's correct by a defensive yeah. back, also their leader uh, in the interception column. Right. What a weird now, start. Yeah, limited sample size, obviously, but sure. Still, yeah. But a team that collected thirty-three a season ago, one of those numbers I had to think twice about. Again, in only twelve games, thirty-three times that they get to the quarterback a season ago. Early on, at least, uh, a weird stat line there with the DB leading their uh, sack column with one. Going for two uh, whenever Texas Tech comes to town this weekend. Want to get back to that conversation up front for the Red Raiders defensively because clearly uh, being able to battle and dominate at the line of scrimmage, take away that ground game, uh, is a great uh, factor into a winning recipe for any football team. We've seen good things from the rush defense so far this season, but... Am I ready to believe or am I ready to be heard again? Uh, we'll investigate coming up next. But first, want to remind you about our friends at Bet Online, the number one, number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest odds and ends, not only on college and professional football, but also Major League Baseball, MMA boxing, golf, esports, and more. They're covering all the bases there. Don't pardon that pun. Deal with it. It'll be good for you, just like checking out Bet Online, where the game starts. Got to tell you about our man, Armin Williams, because Armin is saving Red Raider-owned businesses cash in all directions. You got to be more efficient heading into 2023 than Armin Williams with Schooley Mitchell is your man. Savewitharmon.com is the website, Chris. And as I mentioned before, when you're allowing someone to really become involved like this with something so precious as is someone's business, you want to be able to trust them. And Armin is a guy that uh, clearly fits that bill. 
Yeah, and I think the most important part here is that there's no upfront cost. But if they don't find, if Armin specifically doesn't find you savings, then you 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 owe them nothing. I mean, you know, and that's so it's just uh, it's an easy sell, you would think, to a business trying to just find any sort of saved cost uh, anywhere. And you know, Arm, Armin he, again, he's trying to help out Red Raiders and uh, back in town this past weekend in Lubbock for the first time in a long time. He's a uh, you know, he was Mr. Texas Tech there for a while, and uh, it's good to have him back in town. But, yeah, he's just trying to help out other Red Raiders, and that's the, that's the most important thing. But SaveWithArmon.com is where you need to go. You said he was on the field right after the game? He was part of the of the melee down there. You know on, what I heard? Field. I heard he presented Kirby Hocutt later on with a full analysis of how a field rush could be more efficient. They're already <laughs> saving him cash. He was actually down there working left and right, just thinking, where can we trim things up a little bit? The I saw this picture. Stops working. I saw this picture with his you know, arm around Kirby Hocutt. I did That's see right. this. Yes, They're I doing business. They're trying to streamline right. this operation. Julie Mitchell. Telling you. Mr. He's on the job constantly. <laughs> yeah. On the job for you. Savewitharmon.com. And essential business services reduced by, on average, 28% when you get involved. So think about just on average what you could do with that type of extra wiggle room. And like Chris already mentioned, no upfront costs. All starts with a free analysis at savewitharmon.com. Always great to be with you on Locked On Texas Tech with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making it your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you are watching as a guest, welcome. Hang around. Have some of the hors d'oeuvres. Feel free to use the inside bathroom or the backyard if it's your choice. I don't limit anybody at my house. I'm not a policeman. And consider subscribing, becoming part of the family if you haven't done so. Because it's nice to have you around every once in a while. But Chris, I want somebody to subscribe and really know that they can be comfortable enough to kick their shoes off whenever they're taking in Locked on Texas Tech. Five days a week. Absolutely. That's right. And if and if you show up to our house, I want you to use a like a ladle in the punch bowl and get you a fancy cup. And, uh, you know, there's probably like a cookie and a napkin next to it, you know, so make sure you <laughs> you, you, da you dabble there. This sounds like a tasteful or shortbread, shortbread cookies in particular. Yes. <laughs> you bring out the shortbread, you know, it's high class that's right. in West Texas. And that's the only way that Locked On Texas Tech does it. I said a moment ago, we were touching on North Carolina State, beginning to set our sights now on the Wolfpack and getting ready for the third go round for Joey McGuire and company in 2022 and you and i chris were talking about the trenches and of course i said one great way to maybe uh well apply some pressure make it easier to apply some pressure on a really gifted quarterback like devin leary is for north carolina state is to really take the ground game out of the equation obviously that to lean on for an offense is going to keep a defense a little bit more honest and uh, provide some things you know through play action potentially down the field that can be some big hitters. So containing a ground game is important. We all know it. Texas Tech mostly done it this year. But should we believe what we've seen so far, or should we be ready to be hurt again? Here's defensive coordinator 
Tim DeRuiter on what's been going on up front on that side of the ball for the Red Raiders. I was pleased with, with how our defensive line played. Uh, we, we let tune out a couple times. We got to do a better job in, uh, uh, you know, our plan was to try to keep them in the pocket. And we, we got to do a better job in conversion on play action pass. But overall, I thought the physicality was there up front. Um, you know, we, we've got some guys that can knock the, the line back and reset the line of scrimmage, which obviously helps. And, you know, I thought we did, for the most part, a pretty good job against the run game. A couple times we didn't fit the edges as well as we should have. But uh, overall, been been pleased two weeks in that, that you know, I mentioned last week, I think we've got, you know, two deep in our D line that can really play. Yeah, you know, there's Larry's the one that makes me the most nervous here from a run game standpoint this weekend. They've got, again, two backs that are just solid. The, the one main one, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, it's not it's not six o'clock. On uh, on Saturday night yet, so I don't have to learn the, the pronunciation of it just yet. It, it's like three three names. It's it's very difficult to try to say. I don't even want to attempt it yet. I, I, I'm not to not to look ahead, but Bijan Robinson is the one that I'd probably be worried about the following week because he's sure. maybe the best back in the country. But it, it is it's just funny because that you know I was talking to Coach DeRuiter on Joey's show last week, and he starts talking about you know everybody's got these mobile quarterbacks now, and pretty much this is just standard. And he's talking about the, the premises of, of defense and how it's all just based on gaps. Everybody's got a responsibility and all that. Well, when you have somebody that can run it, that quarterback is not accounted for. And so it creates separate gaps. And now you've got one person for two gaps. And that's the why QB run game in many ways works so well, especially when it's not even called. It's just, okay, I don't have anything. I'm just going to tuck it and go. Right. And and that's that's the part that makes me the most nervous here, because Leary's a very physical runner. If you go back and look at their last weekend's highlights, I mean, he's one of the touchdown runs. He's carrying a couple of guys into the end zone. So he's a he's a tough short yardage guy as well. But I, I feel like your, your group up front has played pretty well. And if you go back and look at the stats, Casey, last year. Run defense was not your problem. I mean, you were pretty right. good against the run. You could make the argument that nobody tried to run it because of how well everybody threw it against you. Um, and I know Texas ran it well. TCU certainly ran it well. That was not uh, uh, a game that I'd want to try to relive in my mind. But I think overall, this this defense of this school, this program has gotten much better against the run in, 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 than in recent years uh, when it used to be just a turnstile. So I think that you've got enough pieces and depth and talent up front that nobody should just be able to run wild on you anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I got to say, I kind of like the matchup. I, Leary doesn't, doesn't worry me as much matchup-wise as a runner because of the measurables of some of the dudes that Texas Tech themselves have front have up front defensively. And if that's the route, I, I think that the quarterback would like to go within that ground attack and wants to be a more physical runner. I, I hope that that's uh, a challenge that Texas Tech will welcome and maybe have an advantage within uh, in the open field. But Chris, I would say as well that when we're talking about somebody who has any ability to improvise, we're talking about the onus that puts on a defense to really be disciplined. And I just love the new phrase I, I, I heard this week, eye violations. I hope the eye violations are at a minimum because I think clearly you're talking experience for Devin Leary and probably talking about a quarterback who maybe can fool a defender uh, here or there, right? 
Yeah, you know, I I think as long as because you know Larry's going to take some shots, and I think as long as you know you don't get, you don't bite on you know one of those play action fakes, you know you're going to be in position to make some plays. I you know and and, and ultimately what what you're what you're saying is is about your your guys up front is we know Tyree Wilson needs to play well, but it's guys like Miles Cole and Phillip Bleedy. And because, you, you know, I feel like you know what you're going to get from Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford, but yeah. it's it's Bleedy and Miles Cole. Th- those are guys we need to start to kind of see with continue with the uptick or like we start to notice them a bit more in a good way. And, you know, I, I think uh, Adida Ray, uh, a data ray, excuse me. I, I knew I'd screw that up. Joseph, a data ray is back. He's somebody else that is learning how to play at about 270 and learning how to play very hard. But I think that defensive rotation up front is a bit deeper now with him back. But th- those are the kind of players that are ultimately going to decide how good your group is because we saw Tony and, uh, and, and, Jalen and and Tyree Wilson last year, but they didn't necessarily have all these. And, and Philip was there too, but I just think he's better this year. But Miles Cole being added, uh, a Dady Ray is is certainly there, and so those are the guys that will kind of determine uh, where you're at. But d- disciplined uh, with your rush lanes was big last week versus Clayton Tune. You kind of don't give him anywhere to go. Be careful about running up the field and just and just mm-hmm. over pursuing because he uh, you know this kid's gonna do that to you just like tune did a little bit yeah, they're gonna step up and you give him a, a lane to rush in and he's gone so being disciplined and kind of keeping that pocket uh and making although it's it's kind of tricky to say hey yeah please please throw it against us uh please step up in the pocket and let's make you throw it but it's it's hard because you also don't want to let him take off and run either yeah no question about it uh, one name you mentioned there, I thought, uh, the Portalis Prince, Philip Bleedy, um, I thought he continued to trend in the right direction, given the rise in competition, still made some plays. I think had a tackle for loss and a half or something like that. Uh, maybe a couple and, um, looked like he was at least making an impact whenever he got the opportunity, like he did in week one against Murray state. Of course, uh, there's the hedge we got to throw out, but I liked what we got from him in game two. Yeah, you know, and again, I, th- I think with, with guys like that and Tyree, we're asking the same thing. It's consistency. It's can you right. do this week in and week out? Can you can you make plays that, that change a game or to to you know stop a third down or fourth down? I mean, or can you can you force a turnover? Whether it's a you know a strip sack or whether it's you know, get, getting your hand in the quarterback's face and make him throw it to you a little bit. I mean, th- those are the kind of plays that a guy like Tyree Wilson especially needs to make. But um, Phillip just needs to keep being consistent. And But I like the measurables, as you mentioned. I mean, the, 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 you've got finally some depth. And, um, and again, big people beat up little people, as uh, Joey will tell you. That's right. And if Coach DeRuiter is uh, willing to throw out something along, along the lines of a, a too deep of guys that can play, like he kind of alluded to there, uh, I'm going to take him at his word for now, but man, they've got a huge challenge to say the least coming up in Raleigh Saturday night. Coming up next on Locked On Texas Tech before we're out of here, I want to very quickly take a closer look at one individual who was on the field but not in uniform. That's the offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley. Kind of his first big opportunity on the largest stage yet, at least. Top 25 in-state opponent, OC for the first time back in West Texas. 
how'd it go? We'll get to uh, some thoughts on Coach Kitley and also hitting for the first time in the history of the Locked On Podcast Network, I feel quite certain, the equine grading scale. Coming up next on Locked On Texas Tech. But first, our friends at Flatlands Grain in beautiful Health Center, Texas, America, standing by like right now, awaiting your call or your visit to flatlandsgrain.com. If you give them a holler, do it at 806-839-2522. Want to be of service to you and your operation this fall. Grain storage needs, wheat, corn, milo, feeding your animals, market analysis, crop analysis. I mean, the experience is there really to cover all those bases. And of course, Chris, it's that time of year that we love so much for so many reasons. Often Red Raider football, uh, chief among them, and certainly the Red Raiders at Flatlands Grain feel the same way. But uh, also just seeing those harvest moons begin to appear on the horizon, right? And it reminds me of some of the days of my youths out laying on top of a cotton module, man. It's just a nice time of year in West Texas, any way you slice it. Yeah, and these are the, the folks at uh, Flatland Grains are obviously Red Raiders, man. And the ag community in West Texas is crucial. I mean, hashtag West Texas right there. So, yeah, take care of these folks. By the way, have you ever – so you 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 spent the night on a top of a cotton what, – what did you say? You, I mean – yeah. Well, about yeah. a night's worth. Okay, okay. And right. I don't know, 15 minutes. It's <laughs> a long re I can't remember, Chris. Okay. You never I, laid on a cotton module in the I middle was of just, harvest time? I was just, just I was just asking, man. But yeah, that's where you see the stars. But uh, yeah, go check out the folks at Flatland Greens, man. I could probably hook you up with one if you and the missus need a night out <laughs> under the stars. Get you a nice ladder that maybe or maybe not is still featuring all of the original rungs it came with. I don't know what the boys are working with these days, but uh, maybe our friends at Flatlands Grain will have a new shiny ladder if you're looking to get on top of a cotton module <laughs> at some point in the near future. I'd recommend it for anyone, to be honest. Okay. Okay. To be Good. honest, I would recommend it for anyone. Good to know. <laughs> Flatlandsgrain.com, also the recommendation. Or give them a call again at 806-839-2522. They're saying Reckham Tech at Flatlands Grain. Back for one more round on Locked On Texas Tech. Great to be a part of your day anywhere, anyhow. Subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. Our families do appreciate it. With Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. Coming up before we are done for the first time in the history of Locked On Podcast Network. They're throwing a party at HQ over this today. They're stoked. We're hitting the equine (laughs) grading scale. And only Locked On Texas Tech, I feel like, really capable to bring you something like that. So hang tight for that in just a moment. I but can't personally wait for that. I, I you want to skip you. what I'm going to ask you about right now. I know. <laughs> you voice your opinions during yeah. the break. Yeah. You'd like to just fast forward. But patience, patience. Okay. Because right. I got to touch on this. I feel like it's something, it's a moment worth touching on. There was so much buildup coming into the season. Zach Kitley, son of Wes Kitley, been here before. We love him. Great. He loves us. Red Raider through and through. We know that. A guy that has a a high profile among play callers nationally or up and coming play callers nationally, Chris. So a big get for Texas Tech. I'm sure it was a big spot for him Saturday afternoon individually. And 
I really do just kind of throw Murray State out of the window. So I kind of treat it as his first big opportunity in front of the home crowd. And uh, clearly there were some ups and downs, but he, much like his quarterback at the end of the day, was presiding over something that, that gathered enough points to win a ball game. I know there was criticism for Coach Kitley among some of the fans. There's going to always be among offensive coordinators because we're all great o OCs, although I don't know what the hell defense they're playing on the other side. I just know that play that didn't work stunk. Cross it off the list. All right? That's all it takes, I think. Yeah. What you think about his first day in a big, big moment? Because clearly it was that kind of day at the Jones. Yeah, I, I think, Casey, it, it – this they're really young on that side of the ball, and I think we kind of forget that as we watch it. We're yeah. used to certain things. I don't. I, there's no all conference type guy on that side of the ball, or even really close to it uh, that you would come into the season with. Uh, and so I think we'll, you know we have to remember that. And now they're playing with a, essentially a backup QB. But I, I think it was a, a mixed bag. But I thought I, I had really was kind of surprised that there was a, a bunch of issues with the job that Zach did. I mean, is, you know, he, he's going to take the blame for Donovan's interceptions. He's going to take the blame for maybe not being able to run it as well or not being as good on third down and all these things, but some pressure on the quarterback. He mentioned yeah. that himself. Yeah. And he took a lot of blame really. Yeah. And, and I think he's trying to take one for just a young offensive line and inexperienced offensive line and, and trying to do, do right by his guy, Stephen Hamby. Uh, that's kind of part of the job. He's just, Right. I, Zach's a stand-up dude, man, and but I just think that you you forget how young they are and inexperienced they are. Now, if you can get through, because but yet they still put up 500 yards of offense, you know, and they still <laughs> right. you know scored. Yeah, I mean they and, and and out out gained Houston for the most part. Should have had the one touchdown to Jaron Bradley. There was a drop there. I mean, there's it's a you know there's there's just some issues, but. Um, he probably felt like a, some of the plays he could have called differently or at different situations and all that stuff. But I like the fourth and 20 call. I mean, that, that place, that double scene call seemed to work. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I just didn't have some major issue I, with, with his job that he did on Saturday. But again, you just have to remember how young they are and, and, and all those things. And he's trying to squeeze a bunch out of uh, a lot of inexperience here. And you've had some injuries slightly to miles price now you're going to deal one with uh weston wright and so you know and, and eric azucama leaves early and tyler goes down so you're you're just trying to figure this thing out you know i thought it was interesting i i can't really separate the fact that that zach kitley and cliff kingsbury's offensive perspectives are probably very similar because mm -hmm. one i don't want to say was groomed under the other but that, well, that's that's exactly right. Okay, yeah. well, I yeah. will say that then. I, didn't know <laughs> yeah. exact, I don't you get should. to be exactly right very yeah, often. He was groomed say. under Cliff Kingsbury. Basically. I I always felt like one of the I guess pitfalls of Coach Kingsbury's offense, and certainly I defer to his expertise, but it just seems like one of the things that showed up a lot was really bad positioning on third down. You'd wind up in a lot of third and long situations. I mean, that's where I realized Pat Patrick Mahomes was not a human was because he was in so many third and 12s, third and 13s, and he'd converted into a first down. I mean, it was insane, but I feel like that essentially, that's kind of on Texas Tech. We made Patrick Mahomes in that way. He wouldn't have had this chance at Alabama in a bunch of third and threes. Are you kidding me? He needed those third and 13s to get that Heinz money, baby. It was all part of the plan. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. I can't separate that from the fact that Coach Kitley's offense featured a little of that, some some bad stuff 
bad positioning, long yardage to go, long distance on third down on Saturday. And I thought it was interesting also that uh, Joey McGuire mentioned that specifically in referencing Coach Kitley in his portion of the weekly press conference and talking about we got to get our offense in a better position to succeed on third down. So, again, that's just a bunch of my elementary you know, guesses at what might have been going on uh, on the football field, either for Coach Kingsbury or, or what's happening here with Coach Kitley. But that was something that was kind of a, a pretty consistent thing. And maybe is it a byproduct of an inconsistent offensive line? I don't know. But I thought it was interesting that Joey McGuire actually touched on that specifically. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think the offensive line plays a part. I think you couldn't run it as well as you wanted to on Saturday, and, and again, Houston has something to do with that uh, as well. Sure. And and then you, you're dealing with the, a quarterback that hit a few shots, missed a few things, because I think as they went back and looked at it, I think Donovan missed several reads. And there's times where guys are open, but maybe he's feeling pressure that's not there because of some of the pressure that actually was there in other plays. So this is part of the learning experience when you when you play a younger quarterback and not that he's big time inexperienced, but, you know, this is what what was his fifth start, I guess, in in total versus Houston. That's Um, wild to think about. Yeah. and, And you're running a bit of a different scheme. Uh, you, you shuffled some pieces on the offensive line and obviously right, you know, came out. Uh, I didn't think Caleb Rogers played great. So it's just a collection of, of, of things and they'll, they'll figure out, I, I, I tell you the one part, and we talked about this maybe earlier in the week, but the one thing that wasn't really prevalent at all, which I think would help you avoid some of these third and longs. And I don't know if Zach necessarily wants to major in it. I just think you're going to have to, you're going to have to mix in some of this just to simply protect your offensive line and to keep defenses honest, but you're going to have to mix in some of those quick game plays, some of those, those wide receiver screens, now screens, whatever you want to call them, just to kind of get yourself three or four yards and treat it like a running play. If you can't, if you, if your group up front can't, can't move people. Um, But this is all predicated on the, uh, the, the running game and being able to do it when you want to, not just when you have to. No doubt. Okay. All that out of the way now. Yeah, here we go. Time the for the event. hard stuff. Let's get ready. Okay, what, what are we doing For the here? first time in the history of the Locked On Podcast Network, the entire universe possibly, Locked On Texas Tech is taking you to the equine grading scale. I like to ride my horse and shoot my gun. So they didn't shoot the horse after this week. Centennial champion still living. I suppose that meant he was trending in the right direction. Rough opening week for Centennial champion and the mass rider heading out to Murray State after a little better bit of in a week fist two. fight. Better in week two. Yes. That was all after a little bit of a fist fight at uh, what Rio Dosa Downs a little while back. So it's been an off-season storyline here locally. What's the horse looking like? I, I saw the horse's entire run. Week two, Chris, I'm not sure I'd quite qualify it as a run, but it was heading down the field in a consistent type of pace, right? So I feel like that's improvement. I'm giving Centennial Champion B- minus for week two. What do you think? Which tells me that you were going, you were in the C- minus or C-plus range in week one. It was not... It was not one of the finer mass rider jaunts to open up a contest. I'll say that. <laughs> kind of slow and crooked and kind of not real sure. And- it didn't kill itself or the mass rider, so I can't fail right. it. But yeah, uh, yeah C territory or maybe D even for I sure. would say 
if this was like a feisty ranking, you know, if, yeah. if we're if we're gonna gauge this uh, particular animal on on its uh, feistiness, right. yeah, yeah, through the roof, a, a a double plus chip on the shoulder ranking, yeah, but but, I, but yeah, <laughs> yeah there you, want, you go, though. that's not that's, what we're looking for. That's right, that's right. But I I, I would agree if we're gonna go C <laughs> range in week one, I would say we're in the B range in week two for sure. We're, and I can only imagine what this poor animal is going to get put through when the longhorns come to town. Yeah. Uh, because that place will be two thirty kick. That place will be insane is my guess, because that may be the last time we see uh, the fighting Bevos. Uh, not a lot of time to prepare for that, but hopefully Centennial champions are going to be in the right frame of mind whenever the longhorns do come to town. I mean, a plus territory is like just that full out. And I tell you what, the riders got something to do with it as well because we haven't seen an A-plus rider since Homeboy with the handlebars, reins in the mouth, and double guns up, as should be the requirement. That's my new proposal. That's a plank in my 2024 platform. I promise to bring to you, Texas Tech voters, no-handed mass riders, double guns up, all the way down the field. Remember that? It was like outlawed. And I'm like, wait, that should actually be the only requirement is that you're able to do that. So viewed as unsafe. Yeah. Viewed as unsafe. Yes. I yes. mean, come on. You're riding a horse. The entire thing is unsafe. Being raided is unsafe. <laughs> That's what the guy's supposed to be doing, right? I will say that the Centennial Champions Entourage is also feisty. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, really? First of all, if, well, I, I'm going to give you a personal example here in a okay. second. But in week one on the broadcast, I talked to Sam Jackson. He's in charge of said program and all that. Been a long time, part of the Mass Rider program and all that stuff. Helps train these horses, helps select them and all that stuff. He, he's kind of in charge and he's just, he's awesome dude. Okay. So he, he was the one that, you know, I talked to on first week. He's like, yeah, a little, little, little sketchy. And then last week it was like, man, we're better than week one. And I'm like, okay. So I think he, he we're would improving. agree with your, yeah. with your improving grade too. Okay. But there's, there's other folks uh, that protect and kind of surround, you know, kind of like the, you know, I, I only uh, entourage is the only word I know to come up with or like bodyguards or something, but Holy like posse <laughs> pony posse. There you go. Well, let's <laughs> go with that. But, I, but I, I'm, I'm like kind of trying to get, past the the players box and around to where i can see and i mean I, i'm i'm not even within 10 or 15 feet of this thing and th these two these two folks just like no. put ha put hands on me no they didn't and they're pointing like the other way like hey they're the play may be coming this way i don't know but i have my headphones on i can't hear but i was just like it 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 uh i probably reacted very poorly and unprofessionally and i'm, I'm sorry that i did that but i was like what is everybody should just calm down. I wasn't anywhere near the horse. I know there's a game going on and, and all that stuff, but they were very protective what? of Centennial champion. And maybe it's because of the feistiness there. So did they all, not know who you were? Are? It probably doesn't matter. Probably shouldn't care. No, and no, I was no, in no, no way Chris. wanting to no. ruffle Centennial champions feathers, nor, nor was I wanting to get hit with the, some player flying out of bounds or whatever, but anyways, but all, all is good. No, no, no. I apologize for my unprofessionalism, but yeah, I got, uh, I got a hand, I got hands put on me. I reversed my grade <laughs> D minus week two <laughs> pony posse puts their it's, hands on big, handsome Chris level. No Sam, way. Would, Sam, Sam's people wouldn't do that. It was just a uh, misunderstanding. Yeah, misunderstanding. Until, yeah. until next time you'll have a chance to redeem yourself. Centennial champion. And 
pony boss. <laughs> that's tricky. And it was that's no, tricky. it was it was no no fault of, of Centennial Champion. It was just his people being very protective of. of well, him. sometimes it's the company we keep, Chris. Yeah. Let's uh, end that's on right. that. Something good yeah. for all the kids. They're to good remember. people, I'm sure. Yes, <laughs> we're yes. we're all sure. But I can't wait to the next equine grade scale for the second time ever in the Locked On Podcast Network universe history. All right, we're back around tomorrow for a little Friday edition of Locked On Texas Tech, and that means we're just a few days away from the Red Raiders next go-round. It's Saturday night from Raleigh, North Carolina, and plenty more to come on the Wolfpack this week. Chris, thanks for your time once again, man. See you on the other side. Hey, and thanks to Sideline Provisions for the uh, the cactus polo, man. Guns up. Keep You're cactused people. out. I absolutely am, man. And thank you to another feisty horse of my own this morning for uh, the what I got in me. It's not on a T-shirt or bought at a local clothier. <laughs> Came by it honestly out on the plains of West Texas today. Appreciate that feistiness. <laughs> Ow! Hey. All right. See you guys tomorrow on Locked on Texas Tech. After today's show, make sure Locked on Big 12, your second listen with Josh Neighbors as he's swinging it around the league for coverage top to bottom, inside and out. We're back at it with the Red Raiders coming up tomorrow on Locked on Texas Tech.